Chapter Ten of the Untempered Wind by Joanna Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Desolation is a delicate thing. It walks not on the earth, it floats not on the air, but treads with killing footsteps and fans with silent wing the tender hopes which in their hearts the best and gentlest bear who soothed to false repose by the fanning plumes above and the music stirring motion of its soft and busy feet dream visions of aerial joy and call the monster love and wake and find the shadow pain the smoke is falling the ducks and geese are flying about the maple leaves are turned underside up the cocks are crowing the cat is eating grass the gulls have left the lake and fly over the land the flies sting and the cement on the cellar floor is damp so i think it's going to rain and if it does i ain't a-going to begin to color my rags said mrs deans standing arms akimbo on the doorstep yes said her husband it's a deal like rain the moon had a shroud on it last night and the frogs croaked terrible and my rheumatics has just been ramping yes went on mrs deans my corns has ached intolerable and the cows have been lowing since daybreak there's no doubt but what it's going to rain i wonder if myron holder is a-coming or if she ain't oh she'll be here in time for breakfast said mr deans with would-be sarcasm how you can abide that girl and liz i don't know jane no mortal goods far as i see that liz eats her head off every day she rises and as for myron holder she picks and pecks and turns up her nose as if the eden wasn't good enough for her it beats me what's the good of em well said his wife sharply there ain't no great call fur as i see for you to see whether they're any good or not and no need for you to worry over the victuals for that i'll make shift to attend to i suppose you'd like me to slave myself to death and get along without em well if that's what's on your mind just relieve your feelings of it right away for be a slave to no man i won't and that settles that with which mrs deans betook herself out to the gate to look for further manifestations bearing upon the weather and to see if myron holder was coming mr deans shrunk up in his chair blinking as he chewed and taking his rebuff very philosophically he was accustomed to his wife's uncertainness and when any of his remarks proved a boomerang he simply consoled himself with the thought of better luck next time and subsided mrs deans went out to the gate it was early morning and the sun was rising unseen behind heavy masses of water-charged clouds there was a soft grayness of impending rain in the air a fresh smell of springing grass and new leaves and newly turned earth the gulls had deserted the lake and were soaring in oblique circles through the gray glisteningly white the swallows from under the eaves of the barn were journeying forth to the pond for the clay to coat their nests the sparrows were chirping saucily as they robbed the young chicks of the grain scattered for them from the field behind the barn came the bleating of the lambs and now and then there sounded a distant voice as gamaliel or the hired man shouted to their horses 
the bound girl coming in from milking paused to make grimaces at the unconscious back of her benefactress an accomplishment at which liz was an adept after contorting her face horribly for a few moments accompanying herself mentally with unflattering epithets addressed to the same unconscious back liz went on her way to the cellar having very much enjoyed the relaxation of her facial muscles mrs deans stood looking down the road her eyes were red and watery this morning and she wiped them on the corner of her apron far down towards the village she could descry a vehicle of some kind but no one on the footpath she returned to the house and satisfied that myron holder would not arrive for some time at least went up to the garret to sort over the contributions that had been sent in for the mission box that was going to the far west first however she called to her husband to watch for myron holder's appearance and rap on the wall with his stick when he saw her so that she might come down and be ready for her mrs deans always welcomed myron holder with sneers or rage in the morning just as her grandmother greeted her with reproaches or revilings at night there would have been something comic had it not been so cruel and so sad in the way these women played battledore with this girl as shuttlecock and tossed her from one to the other to be buffeted that morning myron holder had just got clear of the village when she heard behind her the rumble of wheels they drew nearer and at last her downcast eyes caught the image of a wagon but she did not look up and did not know whose it was until she heard homer wilson's voice good morning myron he said are you going out to dean's good morning yes she answered blushing and ill at ease for he had pulled up his horses then climb in and have a ride i'm going to town he said oh no no thank you said myron hanging back what for come get in he said myron was so well used to being told what to do and so little used to refusing that she half made a step towards the wagon then no i mustn't she paused you know i don't be a goose myron returned he with decision climb in here i never see you these days and we used to be good friends the infrequent tears rushed to her eyes without more ado she went to the side of the wagon and set a foot on the step the impatient horses started and she felt herself half lifted in by homer's strong arm the horses sprang forward to be soon checked though for homer was evidently in no hurry that morning indeed the horses were restrained to an unwilling walk how's things getting on with you myron asked homer trying to speak in a commonplace tone oh just the same she answered unsteadily mrs deans kindly keeps me on oh she does does she asked homer very good of her i'm sure she's a most charitable woman mrs deans is myron somehow felt her heart sink at this of late aroused from the first bewilderment of her shame she had wondered once or twice if mrs deans was so wholly admirable in her life and intentions as she said she was 
if she herself was so utterly vile homer's reply showed her or so she thought that she was wrong in doubting mrs deans yes went on homer mrs deans is what ma calls a mother in israel and no mistake how many she's mothered all these home girls and now struggling with you really myron you might be thought most fortunate to get into such a household something in his voice gave myron courage to look up she did but let her eyes fall before the bitter sneer that lurked on his lip the scorn that shone in his eyes in that instant she gathered however that none of it was for her the next she was conscious of a desire to say something to homer of mrs dean's meanness backbiting insincerity hypocrisy myron holder had naturally a sweet disposition but the happiest of us even have sometimes a longing desire to pull another down and for a moment this temptation assailed her with almost irresistible strength she was so inured to blame herself that to hear another dispraised and that other the woman who embittered each hour of the day for her was perilously sweet she half parted her lips but the generous spirit that had survived so many blows so much injustice yet endured and stifled the impulse she sat silent a jingling of loose tires a rattling of loose bolts and the uneven beating of a lame horse's hoofs struck upon their ears someone was coming from the village hello said homer without looking round here's old crow muir coming the young men of jamestown had an irreverent habit of calling mr muir crow due to the solemn hue of his garb a poor compliment any self-respecting crow would have deemed it at least when mr muir was attired as he was this morning in his oldest suit of black mr muir's vocation compelling him to travel usually in a silent and slow way he liked when not bent upon an official errand to go as swiftly and noisily as he could he had an old piebald mare the original plan of whose anatomy was so obscured by lumps and distorted by twists as to be almost obliterated she was very lame in the nigh forefoot and had the string halt in her off hind leg so that her gait was somewhat startling to behold her neck was long and lean her head heavy her nose roman her eyes set close together in a bald face her tail was more like a mule's than a horse's but despite these peculiarities which by some people might have been considered disabilities she was the fastest animal in jamestown and her progeny was noted far and wide among the local sports the vehicle behind this gallant steed was as direct a contradiction to the stately hearse as could be imagined it was a light wagon set upon ridiculously high wheels which being always adjusted loosely at the axle had a lateral as well as an onward movement the body of the wagon was not more than five inches deep and painted a bright green the same paint that coated the undertaker's veranda made his wagon a thing of vernal beauty 
the seat was uncushioned and had rungs in the back like a chair in fact it was a section taken from one of the long old-fashioned desks that had been removed from the school a few years before this time in this state and equipage then did mr muir overtake homer and myron homer good morning said mr muir solemnly as he came abreast of them and then he was past his wagon jingling crazily his knees nearly touching his chin each wheel running at a different angle and leaving wavering tracks in the dust oh homer said myron well said homer what's the matter mr muir he'll talk she said you're quite right there said homer with a vicious tightening of the lips it'll do him good he gave the restive horses a slap with the reins but the next moment checked their sudden speed don't mind me myron he said flushing under his brown skin as he felt her nervous start i am in a bad temper this morning and disgusted with the way people gabble about nothing and then they drove on in silence again as they passed the little cemetery they saw the piebald mare in a ridiculous stand-at-ease position tied beside the gate hear of anyone dead asked homer no not a word said myron her thoughts reverting painfully to her last visit to her father's grave well maybe old crow's gone to see if any of em are coming up said homer then the thought suggested to him by the field of young springing grain opposite he added not much of a crop from old crow's planting after this grim speech there were no further words until they were opposite the wire fence of dean's so-called garden myron said homer hastily any time you want a friend for anything come to me will you yes she said simply looking at him with ineffable gratitude and wonder in her eyes but have you forgotten my memory's as good as most folks is said homer gruffly then wishing once for all to let her see he accepted the facts of her life he said what do you call your child myron my she answered with the indescribable mother voice of love little my a very good name too said homer with conviction i'm coming in to see him some day myron fairly gasped in terror oh no she said with entreaty in her tones and eyes oh no promise you won't think of such a thing promise you won't he was drawing up the horses at the dean's gate and she clasped both hands over his arm in her urgency promise she urged he looked down at her his face sombre he gathered the beauty of her face and pleading eyes his old self awakened for an instant from its bath of bitterness and his old natural smile made his stern face bright and gentle as he said of course i won't if you don't want me to is it your grandmother yes and she unclasped her hands and began to descend thank you so much she said for not coming he asked his face was dark again no for speaking to me she answered as she turned quickly to the house 
and he went on to the city as fast now as his horses could spurn the miles and he had gone some distance before his face lost the expression caused by her last speech but long ere he reached the town the old gloom again settled upon his countenance from the high window mrs deans had watched myron and homer as they drove from the foot of the garden as they passed the corner of the house she sped to a more advantageous window arriving in time to see myron unclasp her hands from his arm and descend from the wagon mrs deans could hardly restrain herself from calling aloud to them and proclaiming her discovery of their brazenness if not from the housetop at least from the attic window but with much strength of will she denied herself and kept silent until homer's wagon vanished and she heard a vigorous rap-rap downstairs then she collapsed upon a heap of winter quilts that were piled in the attic and communed with herself she was doin some rare begging but the wilsons is strong set when they've made up their minds but such cheek to drive her up to my door as bold as brass and in no hurry out of sight either at least bethinking herself he did drive off mighty quick when once she got out wonder if she wanted me to see him well if that's her idea twon't do her no good she should have told me when i asked her i won't take no notice now she can't get me to back down from what i've said it's a terrible disgrace on marion wilson well they did talk about marion and that stone-cutter one time but he went away and it was all smothered up but i had my own thoughts well this is a judgment on her now she was too set up when homer came back to the farm like as not he was druv to it fine goins on i warrant he had in the city thank the lord mailey's not such as homer wilson but then he's been brought up different and it's all in the bringin up and there was something very queer about that stone-cutter business that would account for homer's being so bad mrs deans went about her work dreamily struggling with the problem of homer's depravity her philosophy like some other philosophies first created a result and then strove to invent circumstances to justify and explain it mrs deans was sorely tried to decide what course was best to pursue she would have liked to go at once to mrs wilson and proclaim her son's iniquity to her and see how she took it she longed to go to mrs holder's and announce that she had discovered the secret which had so puzzled the village she would have dearly loved to shower upon myron holder the new and expressive epithets that were trembling upon the tip of her tongue but the peculiar view she had adopted of the situation suggested to her that myron holder wanted the secret she had kept so long and so well discovered and greater than her desire to see her lifelong friend disgraced by the proof of her son's fault greater than her desire to vindicate her own superior cunning greater even than her desire to berate myron holder was her determination to make myron holder suffer so she decided to take no active step in the affair 
no matter how hard the repression of her righteous wrath might prove she felt however there could be no harm in giving mrs white a hint of how things stood for the sunday before this homer wilson had tied up young ann white's buggy shafts when he found her at a standstill on the way home from church here mrs deans wandered a little from the main track and dwelt a while on the enormity of homer wilson tearing along the roads or through the woods or along the lake shore the whole sabbath day instead of going to church here she recalled with a shock that myron holder never went to church either and mrs deans putting two and two together decided that not only of sin but of sacrilege were these two guilty mrs deans felt fired with a great zeal for young ann white's soul if she should be led into marrying homer wilson what a dreadful thing it would be not but what the whites needed something to take them down a peg still the pleasure of balking homer if he had any thoughts in ann white's direction would be something besides although mrs deans did not formulate this to herself it would relieve the pressure of restraint to tell mrs white the circumstances and mrs deans concluded to herself it can't do no harm to let ann white know i miss my guess if she has her sorrows to seek that bing isn't ten removes off an idiot so mrs deans contented herself all the forenoon by staring at myron holder with a concentrated glare of contempt and triumph varied only by sudden calls to liz to come back from there whenever she approached myron and when liz came back which she did in a hasty and indefinite way not knowing very well why myron had suddenly become so dangerous mrs deans would say haven't you got enough evil in you but what you must learn more bad off of her or there ain't no use my striving to bring you up decent when your natural bent is to be bad or some other remark to the same effect in the afternoon the rain heralded by so many infallible signs made its appearance and mrs deans perforce remained at home she took her sewing to the kitchen and set myron and the bound girl to work to mend the green bags and as the storm outside whipped the maples and struggled with the oaks and stripped the horse-chestnut trees of their brittle blossoms so the storm of mrs deans vituperation raged over the heads of the two girls sitting on the floor surrounded by the dusty grain bags liz was in such a state of nervousness that she was sticking her needle into her fingers at every second stitch when myron holder began to feel the floor rising with her the bags whirled round and round in a circle of which she was the centre the floor ceased to rise evenly and tilted up up on one edge tilted until it was perpendicular and flung myron holder off a long distance off into an abyss of darkness through which whirled great wheels of light that rushed toward her as if they would utterly destroy her but always passed by a hair's breadth the last one passed its light vanished the whirring of its rapid flight died away 
even the darkness disappeared. Myron Holder had fainted. She still sat, needle in one hand, bag in the other. Liz reached across for another bag and chanced to knock against her slightly. Myron fell over like a log. She's dead, screamed Liz and sprang up with hysterical cries. Mrs. Dean's face blanched. You fool, get out of the way, she said and pushed Liz aside savagely as she rushed toward Myron's prostrate figure. Take hold of her, ordered Mrs. Deans, in a voice that quelled the bound girl's hysterics. Together they got her to the door. Mrs. Deans flung it wide, and Myron opened her eyes with the summer rain beating in her face and the waving masses of green trees and tossing branches before her eyes. To that blankness succeeded a quick memory of its approach a shuddering recollection of that final plunge into darkness to be obliterated by physical weakness and nausea she clung to the door to support herself and mrs deans released her hold of her arms you can go lie down on liz's bed till you come to said mrs deans and then you can go home for the rest of the day thank you said myron and mrs deans went to the dining-room while myron crept to the tiny kitchen bedroom each unaware of the horrible bathos of myron's speech mrs deans did not come to the kitchen for some time and when she did myron was gone out into the storm unseen of any to struggle through rain and mud to the village a reed shaken by the wind indeed End of chapter 10